Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. And we give you thanks for your grace, which is sufficient. We give you thanks for your spirit that leads us to all truth. We give you thanks for your goodness that follows us all the days of our lives. We pray that you would prosper your word in our hearts and allow us to understand how we could have and participate in the affairs of your plans for our life, the preparations, the things that have already been set in place from before the foundations of the earth, O oh God. Things that angels long to look into, that they would be revealed to us, that we would see them, that we would understand them, that we would have the wisdom to walk in them and to fulfill your pleasure to live for you, things that please you all the days of our life. And we pray, Father God, that just as the Christmas story was told, and just as everybody participated, that we too might participate in those things which are written about us in our generation, that your glory, your peace, that your joy might come upon the earth, that we might follow in the example of Christ, and that we would understand how to experience a world-changing Christmas from on high. We pray that you prosper and bless your word in our hearts. And that we would be fruitful. And that the experience would be one of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. It's sad that many are not living out the purpose of God for their life. And it's sad that many are unacquainted with his mercies. As I lived the first approximately 20 years of my life without knowing God and without walking in his purpose, it was very dark and dim and nothing made sense. But there was a change in that season where I started saying, God, I want to be part of the plans that you say you have for me, plans that are glorious. I used to be upset at even seeing Christians smile because I didn't think there was anything to be to smile about. I didn't think there was any purpose for joy. And, um, and so once you start living out the call of God upon your life, then the joy is inexpressible. At times it seems that you're living a dream and you can't even believe. But these are the principles that are related to the lowly and the outcast. And I want to remunerate them. You could point them out on your finger as we go. Uh, when you are left out, uh, that, that is a sentiment that is not supposed to reside in your heart. The sentiment of being left out is not God's plan for our life because God has included us and he, he says he wishes no one is outside the story. He was even uh, fatal in his prayer when he says, except the son of perdition, and it was necessary when Judas betrayed him and he was left out, of the story of God's redemption plan and salvation. And so even he was pointed out as, as an outcast, being left out, number one. Number two, not included. As, as, uh, one of the things that the devil is very an expert at doing is setting up systems like the lotto. How many saw what happened this week in the lotto? Uh, millions of people played and two people won the millions. So all those millions of people left out in the systems of Satan to further put in a sentiment in man, I'm not worthy. I'm the one they left out. Nobody considers me. I'm reminded of American Idol where uh, so many contestants come. Says that you didn't make it and you didn't make it and you didn't make it and oh, you just didn't make it. And that's a system of Satan. And he furthers his uh, assassination of God's creation as we see abortions uh, take place and, and people's lives cut out of the history that God has for them. And so being left out, not included, not connected. There's nothing uh, that some people feel they're not part, they're not connected. They're left out, they're um, not included, not connected. Barren and sterile not fruitful. These are all 
And, and some of them says, I got it, I got it, and pretty soon somebody's going to yell, bingo, I got them all. But that's not the plan of God. That's not the plan of God for anyone. And so we're going to see how not being fruitful, not being connected, not being included, being left out, having no vision. I, sometimes when I'm talking, some people look at me like, man, you're seeing things that I don't see. I'm seeing things that God sees. I'm seeing invisible things that a lot of people don't see. And so many times people tell us, uh, I wish that we could be like you. And, and I said, well, then do what I do. Walk like I walk. Spend your time where I spend my time. You, don't, you can't get a return when you haven't sown the way I've sown. You can't see what God wants you to see if you don't go where I am willing to go. And so vision is a, is a huge part of the heavenly plan. And to be blind is a curse. And so Paul was able to come to his senses and then tell those people that wanted to kill him. He says, I cannot be. He says, I cannot be disobedient to the heavenly vision. I have seen something and, and I'm living because of what I'm seeing. And some people haven't seen anything. So they're not, they're not motivated like I'm motivated, like Paul's motivated. Not reaching on high. You feel that you're restricted, that you're pulled down, that you don't get to the next level, that you don't see the supernatural. You don't see a realm above the ordinary. And so the last one, being left out, not included, not connected, being unfruitful, having no vision, not being able to reach the top, not having enough. Well, I have people all the time, like the man that called last week, he says, if I had enough, then I would have enough time to go to church. But until I get enough, I don't have time for church. Until I get enough, I don't have time to give God anything. Until I have enough, I don't have time to stay home and take care of my wife and kids. I don't have enough. So um, to be in another realm of existence where you have in abundance and you have for your wife you have for your kids you have for your church you have to tithe and offer and bless somebody and you're generous how do you get there I want to get there I you, you say to yourself I want to be that person I want and, and one of the powerful things is as we fellowship we get together with men of God um, like Wellington Boone, Bishop Wellington Boone, he says, I'm not on the need side of anything. I don't need anything because God put me on the resource side to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to take dominion. It's almost the concept of, a, of an orange tree. It's not going to run out of giving oranges. And so man has been created by God to be not only fruitful, not only to add, but to multiply, to expand, to increase, to triumph. He takes us from glory to glory. And, and men have issues with that. Um, I'm, I always compare, jo, is it Joe Montana? San Francisco 49ers had a quarterback, won five Super Bowls. Nobody has ever done that in the history of the NFL. And some people don't even know them, know him already, and people think he's a horrible quarterback because his glory faded. It's over. But the glory of God never fades. The purpose of God, you know, I've been, I've been serving God now for 30 years, and, and uh, some people might have the feelings of, um, you know, when is it going to run out for this guy? He's having a boom now for 30 years. Well, because it's God's boom. And when it's God's boom, it doesn't run out because God has, he has a plan. Uh, I got to go there. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. My microphone is acting up here tonight. Jeremiah 29, 11. God lays it out. My thoughts for you that are going in your direction are thoughts to give you peace and not problems. My plans for you going in your direction is to give you a future and a hope. 
And everybody loves this verse, but they don't love the next verse, which says, you will call upon me and pray, and I will listen to you. When? Verse 13. When you do so, when you seek me, you will find me, and when you search for me with your entire heart. Well, that's a problem. Because I don't have time to seek you with all my heart, with all my provision. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because God wants to bring you in if you're left out. He wants to connect you if you're unconnected. He wants to include you if you're not included. He wants to make you fruitful and plentiful. He wants you to be a visionary and not only see for yourself, but see for others around you. He wants you to see the invisible. He wants you to soar the heights, not crawl the lowly. He wants you to have an abundance and more enough. And, and that is the message of Christmas. As Christ coming to the earth, opening up the example, opening up our vision to understand these things. And it's not, we praise God about Christmas trees and we praise God about gifts. But if that is your extent of Christmas, you are a miserable, wretched, poor fool. Because God has so much more things that are coming down from on high. And we have been talking. This is our third week for those that are hungry and thirsty for God. The first week we talked about expectancy. And you could listen to that message ten times before you get good fruit out of that. You could listen to that message. I know some of you only listened to it once. Some of you got the CD and have listened to it five times. And every time you listen to it, You're getting something from it. And so last week we talked about how to be a world-changing woman, and that's 50% of the population. So it was powerful last week. The attitudes in the heart of Mary and how she's able to birth the things that God had laid up for her. And so tonight we're talking about a Christmas that comes from on high and uh, the feelings of the common human experience. With all the consequences, listen, of missing out and not fulfilling the aspirations of the soul. You you feel, wait a second, I'm not getting replenished. I feel that that this is not going well. And, And the similar feeling or it equates to Psalm 40 where King David says, Why are you so downcast, my soul? Why, why are you sad? Um, let's get there. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you in a state of something's missing, of I'm not being included, of I don't have provision? Why are you so unstill within me? I'll tell you why. Because we were not created to be in that void. We're not created to feel left out. We're not created to feel that it's not enough. We're not created to feel that we're not included, that we're not connected, that we're not seen, that we're not part of the plan. And he says, put your hope in God. For I will yet worship and praise him, for he is the one who changes this frown upside down. He's the one that affects the sentiment of my face. So whenever you see somebody like... Walked into a restaurant one night and we saw a, a wife and her child or her daughter was 16 years old. They were open against the wall. And I couldn't bear the face of the sadness on this mom and this daughter. And it was around the Christmas time. I remember it was cold. And I tell Yvette, I, I want to go tell them about Jesus. I want to go to that table and tell her, come to my church. Because I know that when you're here, you're going to find God. And, and that's not the face we have in Christ. Amen. And we're not putting our hope in man. We're not putting our hope in our circumstances. Uh, we, don't, we don't interpret life based on our circumstances. And so he says, I go up to the lady. I said, lady, that we finished eating. And, and I said, they were still sad. It was just gloomy. And I said, ma'am, I would like to invite you and your daughter to our church. And she says, my husband is a pastor. And we go to one of the biggest churches in Miami. It just broke my heart. Because that's not supposed to be the countenance of somebody who lives in the presence of God. 
And so here it is that David is going on and he's saying, why are you so downcast, my soul, within me? Put your hope in God because I'm going to praise him for he's the helper of my countenance. And so God wants to address this. He's always wanted to address this. In Jerusalem on the day of the great feast, he stood up before everybody and said, is anybody thirsty? Come and drink. He wants us to be satisfied. He wants our thirst to be quenched. And he's come into this world not as a historical event, but as a purposeful provision so that man will never thirst again. So that man would be so included, so connected, so fruitful, so part of the team, so replenished in his provision that it far outweighs any lack. And so uh, we need to move in this direction. The expectation upon hearing God's announcement, the opposite of being downcast is to be exuberant in our overflowing sensation. The message of God's invitation at Christmas is whatever is dark shall be filled with so much light. Whatever is empty will be so filled. Whatever is barren will be so fruitful. Whatever is uh, missing, he says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you will find. I love the verse in Psalm uh, 6.38 Give and it shall be given and, and not in small measure. Give is an aspect of the outpouring from on high. We're going to see this. It's super, super important. Let's go there to Luke 6.38 please. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For in the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. It's, it's, it's the, it, there were so many people there in Jerusalem in the time of Christ's birth. So many people that, that were so close to participating, to be connected, to be uh, included. To be part of the whole story. But it requires a right standing. I, th I think that that is important. That, uh, that sight recovered is based on, on an interaction with Christ. An alignment from whom all blessings flow. And so the principles of Christmas are not just to tell a historical event, but to show us that every one of those that were in right relationship with God were being downloaded with, with Christmas provision from on high. We saw last week the attitudes of Mary. She was not rebellious. You can say amen right there. Amen. She was not rebellious. She was, at best, curious how God would fulfill his plan. But as soon as God, the angel says, nothing's impossible for God, that means shut up and watch God do his thing. She says, let it be done according to your word. I'm going to agree with you. And some, listen, we said it last week, we'll say it again. You can, listen, a thousand Christmases could come. And if you're contrary we said it last week. If you're contrary, it doesn't matter how many angels sing. It doesn't matter the choir of heaven that shouts the praises of a glorious king. My friend, your queendom. You get that? There's something that's called the kingdom, and it's of the Father. But there's some queendoms, and they will never rejoice they never have good tidings for anything. It's, it's just a pronouncement of doom and gloom. You want to know why? Because there's no king on the throne. Amen. And Jesus is king of all 
or keen not at all. You can say amen there. He wants to take his throne. And if joy and peace and righteousness and abundance are not flowing, tell the queen to get off the throne. It's good preaching tonight. Herod was livid because his throne was threatened. And he killed all the children under the age of two. He could not have anybody but himself on the throne. This man was so insane that he was about to die. And he knew people were going to celebrate his death. So before he died, he told his army to kill all the officials in the land the day he died so all the region that he reigned over would be in mourning and people would be confused about being sad about his death. He wanted people to be sad on that day even though upon his death they were going to throw a party. They were going to celebrate because he was so wicked. He killed his wives. Out of his ten wives, he killed a couple. He killed two of his sons. He murdered all the children in Jerusalem. The guy was, was horrible, terrible, wicked man. And he's part of this left out group, not included. He wasn't part of the Christmas story because he had so much, say with me, self. All he cared about was me, myself, and I. And that mindset will never allow you to feel the joy and the peace and the abundance of the Christmas story. And so we see these people that were there. And never came to be a part of this thing. First off, we said it last week in Luke chapter 2 verse 1. It came to pass, we saw it on the video, that there was a decree of Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so if you're not a taxpayer, you miss out on the Christmas story. Because the people that were moving were the people that accepted the natural law. So they could get acquainted with the supernatural. And, and the Bible is full of examples that God does not bless a thief. God doesn't bless a thief. So if you lie, you cheat, you steal, you, my friend, will never, listen to me, never see abundance. Because abundance is the supernatural provision of a faithful God. And he says it in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, test me now. If you do your part, I will bless you so abundantly that you won't even have room. Uh, Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the provision into my storehouse that there will be food in my house. Challenge me on this, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of the heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it all. That's abundance. And surely, my friend, that's not coming to a thief. Because verse 6, he says, you have stolen from me. Verse 6, please. Verse 7. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. I say, in what have I been a thief? In, th in tithes and offering. You don't tithe. You don't know what an offering is. And try me. I'm going to open the windows. There's going to be abundance. I I'm blessed by the fact that not only Joseph and Mary moved in the direction of the, of the natural law of the senses to be numbered in their hometown and be part of the legal process. But I am blessed 
to see, and we'll go there real quickly, to show you the attitude. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. These people are not visiting church. These people don't come to church on Sundays. They are fulfilling God's desire. These are two young people. I, I think like Richard and Chavelin. They're newlyweds. They, they just had a baby. And they said, you know, our Bible says we need to go present our kid to church. And that blesses me because it shows me Joseph's heart and it shows me Mary's heart. They're a young couple that fear the Lord. That's why the heavens are open. That's why things are happening. They don't, they don't happen to liars and cheaters and thieves. He says, according to the book of Moses, the days are complete, verse 23, as, as it's written in the Bible that every male who opens a womb shall be holy to the Lord. This child needs to be put and presented before God. Quick! They're not, they're not, not reading their Bibles. They're not leaving uh, for another day what God wants them to do. They, they fear God. They want God's blessing. They, they want Christmas from on high. And notwithstanding... Verse 24 says, they brought an offering. They brought two turtle doves. I just figured out why the 12 days of Christmas are two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear. I just figured it out. It's because Mary and Joseph brought two turtle doves and a partridge. I'm blessed to see two young people reading their Bible, wanting the protection of God, and bringing an offering. Now, it wasn't a lamb, because in, in the Bible days, if you were rich, you brought something bigger. But they were newlyweds, and we know newlyweds are broke. But we know also that when they were offering to God two turtle doves, the heavens opened, and three wise men brought some gold. And bless them. And the Bible says that, that they're able to move in, in a different atmosphere. Listen to this. To, to offer a sacrificing according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Two young pigeons. I'm seeing, I'm seeing wait a second. This is not a bunch of stingy people trying to figure out what they get. This is people that want to line up with God and are flowing in His grace and in His truth and in His mercy. And notwithstanding, chapter 2, verse 21, the time for purification was 30 days, but eight days after the child was born, when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child... They, they were able to bring him in, to be able to, to officially call him by his name. That was another thing. The angel says, you're going to call him Jesus. Some of us are, don't care about what God wants our kids to be called. I'm going to call him Tyrone. I'm going to call him Guadalupe or God knows what. You're not listening to God. You're not partnering with God. God has a story to tell. Some people have so, been so stripped. I remember I was Joaquin, but at the age of 10, I wanted to change my name to Anthony. I want anybody to know me. And, and, and so we're so stripped with the glory of God. Anthony means nothing. Joaquin means God is going to prosper. Isn't that crazy? That even our names mean something, and we, we're always choosing. I want to be, be like Mike. I want to I wanna be who I'm not. I want to go where I'm not. I want to have parents that aren't my parents. They don't come near me. I don't want nobody to know that you're my parents. And so, so we need to repent. We need to say, God, let us be downloading your story. And the Bible says that when eight days had been finished, they circumcised the child. Forty days passed. They went and gave their purification offering and presented the child to the Lord. 
dedicating him wholly. They offered the two turtle doves. See, I'm seeing, and, and we're living in such a grotesque atmosphere of our day. And this is what people are saying. I don't have to do anything and God's going to download. I don't have to do anything and God's just going to bless me on my way. My friend, you are so confused. You're so distant. Now, God's not distant. You're distant. And we need to ask God, God, bring us back to the place where we're connected, where we're included, where we're fruitful, where God's telling his story through our lives. Because when God is not telling his story, our life is a novel of terror, nightmare, horror flick, disgusting. There's no Christmas story. It's more like Halloween. Ghosts and goblins, demons, witches. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You make a good witch. That face looks good on a witch. Not on a daughter, a princess. Not somebody who's receiving the grace of God. And so God is speaking to us tonight. He wants us to be included. This, this aspect of, of Mary's heart, of walking in the direction, it was all part of God's story in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Why Bethlehem? Why a small village? Why no room at the inn? Because prophecy needed to be fulfilled. You, Bethlehem, though you are little, among the thousands of the cities of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one who will rule Israel, who's going forth. So this story started a long time ago, and this story will continue to run for everlasting. Being a part of God's story, if we had it our way, we'd probably stay up in Nazareth, in Judah, uh, uh, Galilee. We'd stay up uh, you know, not in a manger. Why a manger? There, there were so many. You know, if we think lawfully, this is why we already talked about why Herod was stuck on himself. Selfish pig. He could not be part of God's story because he had nothing to give. You have the wise men that are participating that are coming from afar. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel so far. We want church to be right next to us. We want them to bring us a cafe con leche. We want to accommodate to our, it's too cold, it's too hot, it starts too early, it starts too late. It's preaching too long. And here comes these three kings. And they're bearing gifts. And, and every time we have a concept of being a part of anything, it's, it's all about what are we going to get. This is, this is the mindset. It's a Herod mindset. It's a horrible mindset. And here these three kings come in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Then when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? Uh, we talked about Sunday. I think Pastor Palma was discussing how they aligned themselves with the heavens. There's this, we've been following the instructions we have, and it's around here somewhere. Can somebody please give us an address? Can you give us where it is? And it takes a seeking, and a seeking with your whole heart. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his stars in the heavens. From the east is rising. And we have come with an attitude of worship. We're not coming to God to get anything. Because what God has given us already. It far surpasses our worth. What God has done is just it deserves our devotion for the rest of our lives that we can eat that we can breathe that we can think that we can see that we can hear that we have peace let everything that has breath praise the Lord 
That is the repellent of hell. The devil cannot for a second give thanks to God for anything. The people that have come to church, and only in my experience, I don't have experience outside of this place, they come here and God replenishes them from head to toe across the board. Crazy. Crazy what God does in our lives. And we're always looking for that that one point, we have said it before, we draw a little dot on the paper, we tell the people, what do you see? I see a little dot in the middle of the paper. Listen, there's a whole paper there. And you just want to see that little dot because that's where you want to hang your attitude. Right there, in that little dot. You can't see the rest. And so thankfulness, and I'm happy tonight, don't get confused. <laughs> thankfulness is a repellent to any demonic force in your life thank you Lord because I have hair how about that until the last one falls out I rejoice and when it falls out I'll say thank you Lord I had hair but the devil's not going to steal my joy he's not going to steal my peace the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 15, that the righteous have a continual feast. I hope that's the verse. Put it up there. Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of those who are seeing affliction are evil, but he who has a merry heart has a continual feast. Bible said, there was one preacher said they kept on chasing them out of every city. And they said, man, you know, nobody wants you anywhere. They chase you out of every town. He says, yeah, but when I smile, I, everybody has to look like if it's a parade. It's, I'm, I'm throwing a parade in every town. What is up? Things are not going to be in the realm of your desire and perfection. Rejoice in God, including various trials and hardships. Count it all joy. These are the people who see the glory of God. These are the people who are connected. These are the people who, who see heavenly visions, who are included, who are fruitful, who are not barren, not stricken with selfishness. And the Bible says about selfishness is so wicked that for you to have one selfish thought makes you a son of the devil. I will lift my throne up. I will go to the high. I will. I will. There's a song like that in the 70s, right? I will. It's horrible. When are you going to include anybody in that horrible, sad story of yours? And be part of something greater than yourself. So these men came in verse 3. Matthew 2, 3 says, The Herod the king, when he heard this, he wasn't happy. All the days of the uh, afflicted are evil for him. It's like, oh, there's going to be a king born. When he heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem suffering with him. Whoever hangs out with you has to have the same frown that you have. Have to be troubled when you're troubled. And so Herod was, was beside himself in the Christmas story. Verse 4, so he called together all the chief priests and learned men, the wise scribes of the people. And he anxious, anxiously asked them where the Christ were born. I want to say that, that here Herod didn't participate. And here all these priests, all these wise scribes, when they anxiously asked where the Christ was born, they immediately replied, verse 5, He's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for the prophets have written about him. Verse 6, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least amongst all those rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. These people knew the Bible like the back of their hands and they did not participate 
of Christmas. They knew the law to the letter. I, I'm terrified when I, I see people say, I, I've already heard this preaching. I already heard that verse. Oh, the Bible, I, I, I've sat in a, I, there was a pastor in, in Uganda and he preached better. And these people know the Bible like the back of their hand. They, they know they've been to every conference. They've been to every convention. They've been to every Bible study. They make up Bible studies. But they have never experienced, not one time, the joy of Christmas. The peace of Christmas. The goodwill, the favor of God. It's at one time I was sharing that, that some of us are like those perpetual uh, skydivers. You go to skydiving school, they tell you the, the size of the parachute. They tell you uh, the altitude of the airplane. You buy the glasses. You have the outfit. You know everything. And they ask you, well, how many times have you jumped off the airplane? Well, never. Never. I just know everything, but I don't li- I, I, that's not my experience. And those are the most pitied and most miserable And I thank God that in our family, our children have gone to church their entire life. But every time they come, it's like the first time. They they love God. They love the word of God. They love the fellowship. Listen, in 15 years of this church, Spring of Life, and three in the previous church where we were, my sons have never asked me why we are at church. They have never asked me why we're staying so long after church they're so connected with with the goodness of God and to me that's an honor to me that's a reality it's not it's not something that's imposed upon them and that's what God desires from us and here they are these these uh, these chief priests the learned men they had the address they had the phone number They knew exactly where Jesus would be born, and they didn't show up. And I think they didn't show up because when they looked on their their scriptural GPS, there's not a palace there. There's not an army barracks. There's not a synagogue and a temple. There's a manger. And how could this be? We're looking for God to be big. God God is still not big enough for me to bow my knees. God is still not big enough. My ministry is not big enough for me to be faithful yet. When when I become like Benny Hinn, man, I won't miss a service. When I'm like Joyce Myers, then that's when I'm going to be faithful. Listen, my friend, God exalts the lowly. God attends to those. Listen, those shepherd boys, they ran to that manger. They're like, "Woo! we're going to see the king. They're like, I want front rows in that, in that situation. These high priests, these scriptural intellectuals, this, this, this not, it doesn't meet my standard. And so they were waiting for a Christ from a Rockefeller family. They were waiting for, for some high and mighty king, conqueror, majestic throne. And guess what? No, my friend, this baby child... It's going to rule the world. This, this baby child, this thing that started really small is where God's at. That's where his heart at. And, and there it is in verse, uh, verse 8. They get their information. Verse 7. We're in Matthew 2, 7. I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm having a good time seeing God's mercy. Then Herod, when he had called secretly the wise man, determined them what time the star appeared. You want to find out a little bit. Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem. Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring word back to me that I might come and worship him also. And we know that that never had an opportunity to take place because it's, participating with a lie it wasn't legitimate there was no truth there there's no connection with lies and truth those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth you can't be a con artist with God he's going to catch you on it every time verse 12 they came in verse 11 I'm sorry Go back. 
After, I want to mention something in verse 10 real quickly. Um, After they, and they talked about this on Sunday, after they asked the governing authorities and the spiritual governing authorities, they got further revelations. How many say amen? Amen. And and Sixto Porra said this a couple years ago. He says, not until you humble yourself enough to ask someone for the next step are you going to get a victory. That blessed my heart. Because God, he gives grace to the humble. And he resists the proud. So when the three wise men who were doing pretty good until the time that now God says, okay, you want to go to the next level? Humble yourself, wise men, and go ask a fool. Go ask somebody like Herod, the governing authority. Go ask somebody like the scribes who know it all, but in their pride, they're not going to participate. And so here it is, they ask, and all of a sudden the star shows up again. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Verse 11, the heavens opened up again, and praise the Lord God Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and thy salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. Uh, Let's go to the next verse, please. Join me in glad adoration. Verse 11. Matthew 2.11. On going, they had come into the house. This is no longer the manger. This is sometime after the night he was birthed. They saw the young child, no longer an infant. They saw his mother Mary and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented their gifts. Again, just like Mary and Joseph, two turtle doves. But now come the kings, and they humble themselves, kneeling down to worship, and their generosity. They're led by their worship, and they're led by their generosity. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And here it is as they worship. God is faithful to give them instruction to depart from Jerusalem before Herod has a chance, verse 12, to kill them and to kill the child. They departed for their country another way. The last person that was having issues was the innkeeper. There's nothing in the Bible story that says that he participated. And someone some years ago wrote about the innkeeper is really interested. And his issue was the cares of life. He was so ingrained. Listen, listen very carefully. So cluttered with busyness that he didn't even know that right behind him, the king of glory is coming on the scene. And this is what they wrote about the innkeeper. This is him speaking. When they ask him, brother, you you really missed it. You were really unconnected. You were so close, but yet so far. Because your heart was in other affairs. Do you not know what it means to run an inn? To run a business, to be part of a family, to run anything in this world for that matter, even your own personal life. It's like being lost in a forest of a million trees, said the innkeeper. And each tree is a thing that needs to be concerned about. Is there fresh linen on the beds? Did the children put on their coats before they went out to play? Has the letter been written, the book been read? Is there money enough in the bank? Today do we have food in our bellies and clothes on our back. But what can we do to make sure that we will have them tomorrow? A million trees, a million things. Until finally we have eyes for nothing else. And whatever we see just turns into a thing. The sparrow that lies in the dust at your feet, just the thing to be kicked out of the way, not a mystery of death, the calling of children outside your window, just a distraction, irrelevant, not life, not the wildest miracles of them all, 
That whispering in the air that becomes sudden and soft from nowhere, only the wind, the wind. Of course, I remember very well that evening they arrived. I was working on my accounts and loading up my uh, re, uh, resources. And I looked up just to see a woman coming through the door. She walked in heavy-footed the way any woman would in the last months of her pregnancy, as though they are walking in a dream at the bottom of the sea. Her husband stood a little bit behind her. He was tongue-tied, helpless, a poor man. Nothing important to say, although I suppose some words may have passed, but at least it was mostly silence, the clumsy silence of a poor man. You know what I mean. It was clear enough what they wanted. The stars had come out. I remember the stars perfectly, though I don't know why I should be sitting inside as I was. And my wife, her cat jumped up to the table where I was sitting, and I had not stood up. Of course, there was mainly just silence. Then it happened, much in the way that you have heard. I did not lie about where being no room left. There really was none. Though perhaps if there had been a room, I might have lied as much as their sakes as for my sake at the end. Their kind would have felt more uh, better, uh, more at home in a stable. That's all. I do not mean that unkindly either. God knows. Later that night, the baby came, and I was, I was not there, the innkeeper said. I was lost in the forest somewhere, the unenchanted forest of a million trees. Fifteen steps to the cellar and watch out for the, your head going down. Firewood to the left. If the fire goes out, the heart freezes. Only the wind. The wind I speak to you as men of the world. So when the baby came, I was not around. I saw none of it. As for where, what I heard, just that moment itself of birth when nobody turns into somebody. I do not rightly know what I heard. But this I do know. My own true love, all your life long, you wait for your own true love to come. We all of us do. Our destiny, our, jo our joy, our heart's desires. So how am I to say, gentlemen, when he came, I missed him? Pray for me, brothers and sisters. Pray for the innkeeper. Pray for me for all of us and my own true love. That life do doesn't get so busy that we not participate of the glories of God. That we're not so overwhelmed with the cares of life like it says in Matthew 13, 22, That the precious seed falls between the thorns. This represents the word of God. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares of this life. And the attraction, the deceitfulness of what people call riches. That choke the word and there is no fruit. In regards to being unfruitful, barren. Nehemiah 4.10 says that the strength of those that would carry burdens was so decayed. Those that are supposed to carry the spiritual charge of this generation's glory are so decayed. There is so much clutter that we're not able to build the things of God. There's so much in every direction. We don't know what we should attend to. Let's stand up tonight. Say the Lord, take away any selfishness in my heart. Philippians 2.3 says, let nothing be done out of personal pursuit and selfish ambition. This, this puts a new, another slant. Listen, if you're doing anything that has your personal interests at the forefront, put it down. Let nothing be done. Because of self-seeking and, and, and furthering yourself. But take the low mind and esteem someone else better than yourself. What, what can use your talents, your time, your treasure? Don't pursue the road of Herod. Don't do anything. Verse 4, let each one of you. Look out not only for his interests, but also for the interests of others. I, I, I promise you that that is the secret to prosperity. I promise you that's the secret to provision. I promise you that fruitfulness starts there. God is so faithful. In generosity, these people open hearts. They, they could have had a million excuses. A million excuses to, to strip their generosity. 
James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you're thinking about yourself. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrong that you might spend it on you. James 3.16 says, wherever there is selfish ambition, the devil's going to show up. That's Halloween. Every evil thing is there. I see what God wants to do, not with the Christmas story, but showing us that some people were participating in the glory of God and his vast, it says it's the greatest story ever told. Some looking upon the earth and some looking towards the heavens. Those that were looking towards the heaven were the magi. The shepherds were seeing the angels. The religious leaders of Jesus' days were looking upon the earth and saying things like, isn't this Jesus? Isn't he, Matthew 6.33, I mean, sorry, Mark 6.33, this was their attitude. Mark 6.33, the multitude saw him. Let's try Matthew 13, 55. I'm sorry. Matthew 13, 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Isn't that Mary? Those people are not worthy for me to hang out with. I have no reputation. I haven't done nothing big. That's where God was moving, and they couldn't see it. Pilate was saying to him in John 18, 37, he says, so you're the king, huh? It doesn't look like the king. doesn't look like it's going to happen. Are you the king? Jesus said, rightly, I am a king. And this cause I was born. And for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. If you're connected to reality, you're going to see. You're going to see things that, that other people won't see. You're going to participate what other people will not participate. There's going to be a provision that far surpasses common sense and, and mere human existence. Can you please ask the Lord tonight? Give me a heart like the shepherds. Give me a heart like Mary and Joseph. Give me a heart like the Magi. Give me a heart that I can move in my generation, not, not in the Christmas story of old, but in the Christmas story that you're bringing to pass through my life, through spring of life, through the church, through the families that God is trying to connect. I was telling Ariel this afternoon, it's so difficult for us to connect. So difficult. So, so difficult for us to be able to, to see what God is doing over the past 15 years we've we've tried time and time and time and time again to be on the same page because that's where God moves and everybody's always bringing up yeah but yeah how but and there's none of that stuff Lord fulfill what you want to do through our lives bring to pass so you you brought us in the spectrum I, I want to tell you something that that this guy who started the Muslim religion was upon the earth for 22 years from the time he received his revelation from the Quran to the time he died was 22 years. And look at the force of what is super twisted. And we're going to be together pretty soon for 22 years. And God's going to say, you know something? In those 22 years, you guys did not get on the same page. You guys did not understand that I had put all the particular talents. I put, put all the particular treasures I, put, I gave you guys the times, the seasons, and you got lost in the forest. You got lost in the busyness. I, I know God wants to bring us down and connect us and include us and make us fruitful and make us, and, and you know, even on Monday night as a hundred men got together this Monday night and people all over the world are saying, what, what are men getting together on Monday night? What, what was going on there? And guess what's going on? We're trying to get on the same page, trying to hear from God, trying to move as God would have us.
Let's sing this song to the Lord and just present yourself. Because just like in the times of Jesus, there's going to be people participating and there's going to be people with their own agenda, disconnected, confused, sad, distant, feeling, you know, not participating. Tell God, listen, I, I'm a, listen to me, I'm a major player in what's taking place. I'm a, I'm a full participant. My, my grandchildren are not here yet and they're a part of what you're doing. That's how excited I am tonight. Praise to you.